Volume three, chapter sixteen of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter sixteen A Discovery Scene Productive of Many New Relations and Various Other Consequences the day next but one after this letter reached him miss compton and agnes were engaged to dine with lady elizabeth colonel hubert had not ventured to present himself in the mall during the interval for though on cooler meditation he did not believe that the unfortunate words let me then confess to you colonel hubert were meant to usher a confession of love to his rival he doubted not that they would have been followed by an avowal of her agreeing with himself in deeming his own conduct most reprehensible and just then he felt he could not receive this notwithstanding his justice in such a manner as to assist in obtaining pardon for the fault to sir edward he had mentioned the probability of his brother's early return but without hinting at the chance of their seeing him at clifton on his arrival in england the ladies of the party namely lady elizabeth lady stephenson miss compton and agnes were assembled in the drawing-room the two gentlemen not having yet quitted the dining-parlour when a knock at the door announced company who can that be said lady stephenson have you invited evening company not a soul my dear replied her aunt i mean to have a treat again i think i am growing sick of curiosities tant mieux dear aunt replied lady stephenson but invited or not you have visitors coming now i hear them on the stairs lady stephenson was right the old butler opened the drawing-room door almost as she spoke and announced mr stephenson frederick exclaimed his fair sister-in-law looking as if she meant to receive him very kindly young stephenson said lady elizabeth i did not know that he was coming to clifton sir edward's brother i suppose said miss compton but agnes said nothing though had any one laid a hand upon her heart they would have discovered that his arrival was not a matter of indifference to receive him with the appearance of it was however absolutely necessary and she very resolutely assumed an aspect of tranquillity it was not necessary that she should look towards the door to greet him as he entered and therefore she did not do it but notwithstanding the attention she devoted to the pattern of the hearth-rug she became aware within a moment after this electrifying name had been announced that not one only but three people were in the room and that one of them was a lady agnes then looked up and the first figure which distinctly met her eye was not that of frederick stephenson but of a gentleman bearing the stamp of some forty years perhaps upon his handsome but delicate features he was not tall but slightly and elegantly formed which was perceptible though wrapped in a travelling frock trimmed with fur and his whole appearance was decidedly that of a gentleman but who these might be who were with him or how they were received by lady elizabeth the eye of agnes had no power to inquire for it was fascinated as it were by the earnest gaze of this stranger who having already stepped forward a pace or two nearer to her than the rest stood looking at her with very evident emotion the first words she heard spoken were in the voice of young stephenson which she immediately recognized though the purport of them was unintelligible yes my dear sir you are quite right he said that is our agnes but though these words were somewhat startling they drew her attention less than the expression of the large blue eyes that were fixed upon her there was admiration tenderness and a strange sort of embarrassment all legibly mingled in that earnest look but why was it fixed on her what effect this mute scene produced on the other persons present agnes could not know for she did not withdraw her eyes from those of the mysterious stranger till at length he turned from her and stepping back took the hand of a very young but very beautiful girl whom he led towards the sofa she occupied and placing her on it said 
agnes willoughby receive your sister and let her plead for her father and yours you have been long long neglected my poor child but there has been some excuse for it can you forgive me agnes good god my father she exclaimed starting up and stretching out her hands towards him is it possible sir that you are indeed my father you speak as if you wished it were so agnes he replied taking her in his arms and impressing a kiss upon her forehead and i will echo your words is it possible possible oh yes sir it is possible i have so longed to know that i had a father and is this sweet creature my sister she continued turning her tearful eyes upon the beautiful girl who upon this appeal sprang forward and enclosing both her father and agnes in her arms replied to it by saying yes dearest agnes i am your sister indeed i am and i know you very well and all about you though you know so little about me but you will not refuse to own me will you for all reply agnes bent forward and kissed her fondly miss compton who as may be supposed had watched this discovery scene with no little interest now stepped towards them while young stephenson was engaged in explaining it to lady elizabeth and his sister-in-law and looking from one sister to the other and from them both to their father she said you will perhaps hardly remember that we ever met mr willoughby but my name is compton and i recall your features perfectly you once passed an hour at my brother's house when i was there and that these girls are sisters no one that sees them together will be likely to deny god bless them both pretty creatures i hope they will each be a blessing to the other but to be sure it seems to be a most romantic story and wonderfully like those i used to read in my bower agnes there is a good deal that is very sad in my part of it miss compton replied mr willoughby but at this moment i can hardly regret it as herein i hope to show some excuse for my long negligence respecting my poor girl take this on trust my good lady will you he added holding out his hand to her that no displeasure towards me may destroy the happiness of this meeting miss compton gave him her hand very frankly saying i have no right to be very severe upon you mr willoughby for without any misfortunes at all to plead as an excuse for it our dear agnes might tell you some naughty stories about me but she does not look as if she were much inclined to complain of anybody what a pair of happy lovely-looking creatures and how very strong the likeness to each other and of both to you willoughby retired a step or two and leaning against the chimney-piece seemed disposed to enjoy the contemplation of the picture she pointed out in silence lady elizabeth claimed the attention of miss compton that she might express her interest satisfaction surprise and so forth lady stephenson slipped out of the room to communicate the news to her husband and brother and prepare them for the company they had to receive and then frederick stephenson approached the sisters and drawing a chair towards them very freely took a hand of each that of agnes trembled she felt that the happiness of her life would be for ever destroyed if this young man was come back in consequence of colonel hubert's letter with the persuasion that it was her purpose to accept him and favourable as was the moment for a sort of universal philanthropy and unrestrained épanchement de coeur she could not resist the impulse which led her to withdraw her hand and return his affectionate smile with a look of coldness and reserve perfectly undaunted however the gay frederick continued to look at her with an air of the most happy confidence 
but suddenly as it seemed recollecting that it was possible though they had all of them been at least ten minutes in the room together no explanation might have yet reached her he said in a manner to show that he was too happy to be very grave though quite sufficiently in earnest to deserve belief if you accept my nora for a sister agnes you must accept me for a brother too she knows that till i saw her i thought you the most charming person in the world and as she forgives me for this i hope you will show as much resemblance to her in mind as in person and forgive me for thinking when i did see her that she was still more charming than you and then it was that agnes for the first time in her life felt wholly perfectly and altogether happy she saw in an instant with the rapid glance of love that all the misty cloud that had hung between her and hubert was withdrawn for ever and then she felt how very delightful it was to have a father and such an elegant interesting-looking father and then she became fully aware what a blessing it was to have a sister and that sister so beautiful and so capable of inspiring love in every heart save one guarded as hubert's was guarded her joy her new-born gladness of spirit danced in her eyes as she now freely returned the young man's laughing glance and restoring to him the hand she had withdrawn she exclaimed oh frederick why did you not answer hubert's letter and tell him this it is so then it is as i hoped my sweet agnes and you will be doubly our sister why did i not answer hubert's letter because it was the most mystical unintelligible dark and diplomatic performance that ever was put forth did you see it agnes no i did not she replied with a smile but i can imagine that it might have been a little in that style yet still you should have answered it i did answer it that is i replied to it by a line or two written in a prodigious hurry but you must perceive that i could not enclose nora in a cover and as she is to all intents and purposes my answer i was obliged to let him wait till i could convey her properly and place her before his eyes and his understanding and so convince him replied agnes with another smile full of her new-born gaiety that the moment she is seen all other ladies must be forgotten prove that to colonel hubert mr stephenson and i will prove to you what you tremendous-looking sibyl what a very fatal sister she replied and then the door opened and lady stephenson preceded the two gentlemen she had brought from the dining-parlour into the room agnes no longer the fearful shrinking agnes sprang forward to meet them and taking colonel hubert by the hand led him to her father saying in an altered accent that at once entered his heart and told him that all was right let me present you to my father hubert to my dear father colonel hubert he will indeed be doubly dear to us for he has brought with him a sister for both of us whom i feel sure we shall for ever love but hardly did agnes who seemed newly awakened from some heavy spell that had benumbed her heart hardly did she give time for a courteous greeting between the gentlemen ere she passed her arm beneath that of colonel hubert and led him to the sofa frederick started forward to meet him and laying a hand on each shoulder said in his ear yet not so low but that agnes could hear him too it was lucky i did not take you to france with me hubert or i should certainly never have got a wife at all as it is however permit me he added aloud to present you colonel hubert to miss nora willoughby nora dearest this gentleman is the best friend i have in the world my brother's wife is his sister and your sister my fair bride-elect will very soon be his wife or i cannot read the stars so as you may perceive our catastrophe is exceedingly like that great model of all catastrophes in which the happy hero says and these are all my near relations ecce signum 
here is my own elder brother sir edward stephenson miss nora willoughby is she not charming edward i hope i have pleased you at last and their ladyships my sisters too for i assure you everything is very elegant well-born and so forth but you are not to sit down by her though for all that unless you make room for me between you for she has already given way more smiles than i can at all afford to spare and besides i have a hundred things to say to her i want to ask her how she likes you all colonel hubert as soon as his gay friend had reseated himself gave one speaking look to agnes and then devoted himself entirely to mr willoughby by degrees the party began to talk together with less of agitation and more of comfort but frederick was not permitted wholly to engross his young fiancee for all the ladies crowded round her and vied with each other in giving a cordial welcome to this young foreigner in the land of her fathers she was in truth a very sweet young creature and soon converted the kindness which circumstances called for into very cordially liking distant hopes were talked of without reserve and immediate arrangements canvassed miss compton kindly invited the young stranger to share her sister's apartment a servant was dispatched to secure rooms for mr willoughby and frederick at the hotel and the happiness their unexpected arrival had brought to two harassed hearts of the party seemed to diffuse itself very delightfully among them all at length miss compton's carriage was announced and while the cloaks of the fair sisters were wrapped round them by their vowed servants mr willoughby performed the same office for her and took that opportunity of asking leave to wait upon her on the following morning in order to relate to her such passages of the history of his long exile as might in some degree account for his having left her adopted child for so many years without a father while this appointment was making with the aunt the niece contrived unheard by all to whisper a word or two which led to an appointment for her also colonel hubert had more than once that evening taught her to understand by the eloquence of looks the delightful change that had been wrought within him but it was agnes who first found the opportunity of giving expression to it in words he stood behind her as he arranged her cloak and when this was done she turned suddenly round to him and said in an accent of playful reproach hubert may i be happy now his answer was will you see me to-morrow and alone she blushed perhaps at remembering how often she had before wished to converse with him in the manner he now for the first time proposed but she nodded her assent he handed her to the carriage pressed her hand and whispered eleven o'clock as he put her into it and then mounted to his chamber without exchanging a word more with any living soul that he might enjoy for the first time since he had yielded up his heart the luxury of meditating on agnes and her promised love without any mixture of self-reproach to poison the enjoyment End of chapter 16